So very similar story that we just read in the scriptures to Mary, right? Yet so different. Um, there, you know, I did a talk a few weeks ago on women of the Bible. And you can find it as one of our Saturday talks. But in that talk, we talked about all the women of the Bible that were barren and then miraculously conceived. This is almost a precursor to something of a woman who could not conceive because a different reason, not because Mary was barren, but because she was a virgin. And so this follows a long biblical tradition of women who were called barren, but then bore children. Sarah, who did she bear? Isaac, Rebecca, who did she have? Jacob, what about Rachel? Rachel had Joseph. What about Hannah? Who was Hannah's son? Samuel. These were all covenants. We see this tradition. So in the same way, Zechariah's life, there was barrenness because Elizabeth could not conceive. So this was a tragedy. They were childless. You know, how ironic, isn't it? Then in our culture today, we're aborting babies. We're getting rid of them. They're unwanted. They will provide a uh, inconvenience. And yet when you read the people of the Bible, their whole life was centered around the desire to have a child. How we have changed. You know, a Jew who has a wife but no child was a tragedy. It was seen upon as one of the worst things. And now in our culture, we see, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. Oh, I'm sorry. Completely flipped. Completely flipped. And so in some sense, they could even be excommunicated if they didn't have a child because they believed that that was childless was, a, was even a valid grounds for divorce because they believed that there was an issue there. there was, they must have done something wrong. So anyway, what's going on here? Zechariah, even in good days, was probably thinking about this. He was probably always on his mind. In seminary, I had a class about the knowledge. Of the, uh, in, see, uh, priests are, uh, uh, Catholic priests are special in their training, unlike any others, because we don't study just theology. In fact, for years before we even study theology, we study philosophy, which is a study of man. Theology is a study of God. And in philosophy, we study how man is. We study, there's a class I took called epistemology. Epistemology is the study of knowledge, how, how, how man understands things. We study metaphysics, the, the, the study of being, how can something exist? But in, in my epistemology class, I remember at Franciscan University, there's something called the actual and the superactual. And, and, and there are certain things in your life that are always with you, even if you're not even consciously thinking of them at any one particular moment. This probably was the case for Zechariah. This was probably always on his mind, this personal tragedy. I have no son. And then all of a sudden, this wondrous vision comes that a son would be given to him. And not just any son, 
a son who they said will be purified in the womb. That's why we believe, did you know this? That the church believes, small t tradition, that John the Baptist and Joseph committed no sin. Well, wait a minute, Father, only Mary was without sin. Yes, they were conceived with sin. But we believe that Joseph and John the Baptist didn't commit sin, they were conceived with sin. But when was John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah, when was he purified? When Mary came on the visitation and the child leapt in the womb of Elizabeth, he was the first, one of the first, because Mary just came from the Annunciation. So he was one of the very first adorers of God. Amazing. Now, what happened? All right, Zechariah asked what seemed, I always thought in seminary, he got a raw end of the deal. I thought this is a very reasonable question, you know? What is Zechariah doing so wrong? He's asking a valid question. So basically, it seems reasonable. They were too old to have children. But here's the difference, everybody. Unlike Mary, all right, the question showed he did not believe the angel. Now, Mary asked how God was going to bring it about. Zechariah said, how can this even be? There's a difference. How will this be is Mary. In other words, I believe, I get it, I'm on board, just curious. How's God going to do it? I believe he'll do it, but just curious, how's he going to do it? Whereas Zechariah is saying, how in the world can this be? This can't really happen. So see the difference? The difference is that Zechariah did not believe. Mary asked how. God would give her child. Zachariah, Zachariah, Zechariah doubted that it could even be done. That's the difference. And so Gabriel comes, the angel. This is God's soldier. That's the meaning in the Old Testament. Do you know what? Yeah, this is awesome because this is how everything relates. Like the first reading about, we hear the mother of Samson. But do you know Gabriel did the same thing in the Old Testament? Here comes Gabriel to announce to Mary, to announce to Zechariah, even before, and he showed up in the Old Testament explaining to Daniel how the Messiah would come. So this Gabriel is very important. Gabriel stands at both ends of biblical prophecy. He was in the Old Testament and foretold what was coming in the New and then becomes the messenger in the New Testament. This is amazing. This message that Jesus is the Messiah also included that John is the forerunner, the herald. And so this was a direct message from God. And so Gabriel's important here, but Zechariah did not believe it. So he was not able to speak until after John was born. That's a classic example when people say, how dare you Catholics believe that we have to atone for sin? Okay, if we don't atone for sin, God will give you the atonement. God will give, give you your own way to face the consequences. All right. But I think you have to ask, it, it isn't that Zechariah doesn't want to believe it. It just kind of seemed too good to be true. Right. And so he probably protected himself from disappointment by lowering his expectations. This is, this is what we always seem to do. You know, don't get yourself, you hear all these athletes, the old cliche, don't, don't get too high with the high. Don't get too low with the lows. And so 
maybe he's just trying to protect himself from not being disappointed. Never let that cause you unbelief. So to finish, Zechariah thought his age would hinder this plan of God. Um, you know, he underestimated God's power, right? Um, it is not God who is limited. Rather, we are the ones who limit God. Very, very classic example. Throughout the Bible, God called on unlikely people. You, you, you've heard this before. My favorite example is Moses. Moses stuttered so bad, you, few people could truly understand him. Moses had such an, uh, a stuttering problem. And, and God came to him and said, I'm going to use you. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's like, no, um, use my brother. Use my brother. And, and God's like, no, I'm going to use you. And he's like, but I can't speak, Lord. Well, yes, God used him. You know, Jeremiah said he was way too young. Mary, way too poor but God can use them. All right, Peter, way too uneducated, but God used him. No matter what your issue is, don't let it be an excuse. All right, Paul, my favorite example. Paul, there is no church without Paul. And we see these big, you've heard me say before, these big statues in Rome, this big hulking figure. And we know from the apocryphal gospels that Paul was ball-headed, bow-legged, hook-nosed, and four-foot-eight. Wow. There's a power pack. There is a stick of dynamite. And so God uses unlikely people. I mean, I'm the perfect example. How in the world could God use me? Well, then I figured it out one day. God only uses me for one reason— I got a big mouth. And with a big mouth, God decided, you know what? You got a big mouth. You never shut it. So I'm going to use it for me. I'm going to use it for, for preaching the teaching of the church. Now stay faithful to the teaching of the church. That's all God ever asks of me. Stay faithful. And I fail. I'm an idiot in many, many ways. But you got to stay faithful to the truth. Even if the consequences hit, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with um, Father Frank Pavone and I spoke to him Saturday night. So I, I talked to him Saturday night and and he had at that point not even been contacted by the Vatican. Now, the rumors and the news is all over the place. I'm, I'm getting texts overwhelming and I apologize. I've not been able to respond because uh, tomorrow I have provincial council meeting all day long and I am spending every waking hour today preparing for it. There's just so much to do. And I apologize to all people who have written to me about this. I, I greatly apologize. I am just not able to respond for at least a few days, but I'd like to make a statement about it in the sense that, that I don't know all the facts. So I can't actually make a statement about it. Uh, Father Frank doesn't even know he doesn't know. He may now. This was Saturday night when I spoke with him. But at the time, the, 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 the Vatican hadn't even contacted him yet. So I asked, I said, Father Frank, I said, what, you know, what do you think it is? He says, I don't know. I said, it could be anything from something I said to just be the fact that I'm pro-life. You know, there were some financial questions, but he said, that's all been straightened out. So I don't know. He didn't even know. Now, since then, it's been a couple days. I don't know if the Vatican has contacted him or not, but we need to pray for him. But I will say this. 
I've known Father Frank for many years. I spoke with him at many conferences. Him and I have had many dinners together. We've spoken together. I have never once heard this man do or say anything contrary to the teachings of the church. And so if he is removed, and I'm using a big if, this is a tragedy, just like one of Zechariah. And I, I don't know the details. I cannot say anything. And I will not make any comments because I don't know. However, if he is removed for simply defending the truth, the hierarchy of the church needs to look in the mirror and say, what is our mission here? Because we got priests running around redefining marriage, saying all kinds of things are, are okay, and they're being praised. I don't know. But I will not, I'll leave it at that. We just, at this point, we don't know, but we ask for prayers. We ask for prayers, but we should never stop teaching the truth. I don't know if there's other details behind it. I can't say, but we pray, we pray, we pray. And so to all of you who've been writing, asking questions, Father, please say something. That's all I can say right now is that we don't know, but we pray, we pray that our church will, will, will be enlightened. Our hierarchy will be enlightened. Uh, bishops have already spoken on this, so I'm not saying anything out of line. Bishop Strickland made a very powerful statement about this. Bishop Strickland put it out on Facebook, his, his, his view of this. So I'm not saying anything out of line. I'm just saying, again, we need prayers. Let's just pray for this whole situation. And so the bottom line here is that we have to stick for the truth. It's kind of like, you know, being prepared because Christ is coming in Advent. We have to be prepared to receive him. And Christ is the truth itself. We have to be prepared to receive him. In fact, I'm working with Father Matthew Tomini right now on a statement that we're going to be reading at every Mass about being properly prepared to receive our Lord and Holy Communion. This should be read at every Mass, that we should be properly prepared, that we should be properly able to receive him. This is not just a piece of bread. You are receiving the way, the truth, and the life when we receive him in Holy Communion. And so I'm working with our rector to, to be able to say that so that when people come and they visit, they realize the significance. If if, if it is so powerful that God would strike dead somebody who touched the Ark of the Covenant in the second book of Samuel in an irreverent way, and if it's so powerful that a man who didn't believe was struck mute, how many people are coming up here for Holy Communion and do not believe in the real presence? We're doing you a favor by asking you not to come. We're not being hateful. We're not being um, mean. We're trying to do you a favor by saying, if you do not believe, if you're not properly disposed, don't bring that condemnation upon yourself. That's Paul. That's not Father Chris. That's Father. That's Paul. I mean, I support that. That's my whole belief. But it comes from St. Paul. We, we have to be properly disposed. The man touched the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way, was struck dead. This man did not believe Zechariah. He was struck mute. If we do not believe in the real presence, if we do not believe in the truth, then we need to look. We have to look and do a self-reflection. We have to. And, and, and this is the whole issue right now. We have to stand for the truth. And so this is it. The, it, it you know, God has given us so much time to prepare for this time. And we have to be ready.
You know, um, we're, you know, it's funny because we're all unworthy. We're all unworthy. We're not trying to say that those who receive are uh, superior to those who don't. No, we're all, we're all unworthy. All we have to do is say, we believe. That's what the word, amen, amen. I believe. That is why we need God. We need God in his church. Um, You know, the one thing that stands out, then I will finish with this. You know that it was in the sanctuary, in God's house, that this message came to Zechariah. It was in the sanctuary. We often go about our day and we wish, why doesn't God give me a message? Why doesn't God talk to me? Why doesn't God show me? Well, wait a minute. We go about our day and we wish this message of God would come to us, but do we go to hear it? Do we go to the church? Do we sit in silent adoration? Do we actually open our minds and our hearts to receive that word of God? Are we properly disposed? Do we go to the house to hear it? That's the church. That's what the church is. The church is the house of God. And that is where Zechariah was when God spoke to him through the angel. So let us not complain when God doesn't speak to us. Let us say, have I properly sought out to hear the word of God? Because remember, God doesn't shout. God whispers. And if we want to hear a whisper, we got to shut out all the racket that is going on outside of us. Come to the church, sit in adoration, believe in the real presence, unlike Zechariah, more like Mary, and then we'll hear. Hear the word in our heart. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.